Hiya pal, and welcome to another episode of Mandatory Redistribution Party. The theme of this episode is social alienation. Sean and Jack discuss creative disobedience in school, vloggers, and the atomization of society, and I take a deep dive into the neoliberal roots of Britain's mental health crisis. This episode is named The Friendship Myth, after Toby Young's incredibly revealing article in which he argues that adult friendship is a myth because no one went to his stag do. It's a true Hall of Famer. Please enjoy the episode. Oh, I'll tell you what the worst game we ever tried was. Sometimes, okay, year four to year five, all the boys just had to play football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you didn't really want to, you'd be like a defender or in goal or whatever, and just hang around and be like, I hope it stays over there. Yeah. But then sometimes he, there wouldn't be a ball hmm. and someone would moot the idea of invisible football where it should just be obvious where the ball is from our movements. Not this idea that we're all playing this make-believe game. They were saying like, Listen, we don't actually need a ball because if you think about, like, their argument was, isn't what they wasn't what they were saying, but what they were getting at is the idea that football is purely deterministic, right? Yes. So whatever you do towards the ball, it's going to go in a predetermined direction, and we can see the behaviours that are being enacted on the ball. So we should just be able to extrapolate where the ball where the ball would be at any given time and just play football that way. And we're like, VR, we'll try it, and like instantly there's a dispute of being like, that was a goal. I, I say. <laughs> Someone is in the shoot of the goal went, that one went in. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think it would have. I think they would have yeah. saved it. The goal was like, no, I saved it. And then instantly it, it falls it. down. But to begin with, there's always enough people being like, I guess that just makes some sort of sense. We just know where the ball is because we would have kicked it. So we'll just know where it is. <laughs> Straight away. I've scored. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating. Yeah. Like, I'm kicking it from the other end of the pitch. Yeah. And then shouting goal and doing like a massive celebrate shirt yeah. over your head, running round. Everyone else yeah. is like, no, what? Uh, no. Yeah. We're still playing. Yeah. yeah. Calm down, mate. Yeah. It went off the post. I had two things. It might One, uh, go to the imaginary VAR. Yeah. Right. Well, the VAR says this. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way invisible football to go to some kind of higher up adjudicator. Yeah. But there's no, what do you do? Invisible football. I've only just thought about it now, like how mad that was. I've never heard of anyone else having, you never had that, right? No, that's incredible. We want to play football, but there's no ball. So we've got this very conceptual idea of how to go forward with it. Someone, surely there is a child originator of that. I got three school games, which Mm -hmm. I will not claim to have invented or pioneered, but I do believe they are strange and I did participate in them frequently. Go for it. So, first two are variations of the same game mm-hmm. version one pokey pokey okay uh i think it was invented by a girl called sahanya and and what you do is, did you know sahanya yeah, yeah i knew sahanya. this isn't yeah, like yeah, a historical yeah. so fact she's, she's uh she yeah, yeah, 14th she century ancient yeah um yeah 100 years ago <laughs> so she uh well, basically the game was you're going to poke the other person with an implement usually a ruler sometimes mm-hmm. a pen i'm in and um Basically, during the lesson, this is happening in a lesson. It has to be happening. You can't, just, you know, you require the tension of a lesson. It's basically if the person gets frustrated, they lose. So you just have to act like nothing is happening as someone pokes you with a ruler, which is, you know, pretty bad. Right? What you lose if you acknowledge the poke? Yeah. So if you're like stop, yeah. you've lost. Okay. Winning is just the other person giving up because they get bored. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's pokey pokey. The hardcore pokey pokey is stabby stabby, oh. which is where uh, you, <laughs> you graduate to stabby stabby. You use stabby. a compass 
yeah. either compass like straight up or compass added to a ruler for increased leverage and you hack away at the other person um and they have to not acknowledge they that they're being not, punctured not acknowledge this uh-huh. um now uh i've reflected on this and realized that this is you know this is some toxic masculinity bullshit because mm. it's like you can't it's violent you can't acknowledge that violence is happening to you and you're in pain but also yeah. like i'm pretty sure like sahanya invented it but i, I guess women can perpetrate can propagate toxic masculinity sure, sure, sure. um so they were a frequent element of all lessons really oh so stabby stabby and can happen pokey. at any time. Anytime someone can initiate stabby stabby or pokey pokey. I think you saying it's a game is uh, wrong. It's not a, it doesn't have the conditions of a game. Mm. It's just a set of circumstances and then a predefined way that you're supposed to react. Yeah. It's more like a ritual or a hazing. It's more, it's hazing. It's hazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's hazing. Because it's not a game. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really into either of them, but you could, it wasn't um, straight up, but you ha- you opted in to stabby stabby your post. I still feel that's the same with hazing, right? You get treated in a strange way. And hazing is any set of circumstances where you're not allowed to go, please stop. This is massively yeah, unfair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stabby stabby is just yeah, a form of hazing. Yeah. It's hazing. It's, it's opt in, but it, you're socially, you're confined in it. Opt in? Yeah, you, 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 you opt into Stabby Stabby. So who do you speak yeah, yeah, yeah. to? What do you say? Well, like, yeah, can you include yeah, 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 me in future yeah, yeah, yeah. Stabby you're Stabby? Sat in, you're sat in <laughs> fucking French. Yeah. Should we? In fact, this is fucking boring. Stabby Stabby. Pokey Pokey. Oh, okay. So it's not just like... Because yeah, otherwise it's bullying rather yeah. than even Because you know about like assassin at university. Hmm. You aware of that? What's assassin? Oh, so Assassin's like a very, very university game. I played it like in first year because I was like aware of this idea. Uh, everyone opts in to Assassin mm-hmm. and everyone's sort of anonymized, collate, collated by one person. You and got, one person has to die. <laughs> everyone is given a target. So everyone's an what? Assassin. What the fuck? And that target is just a random person that you don't know at university. Right. And you need to kill them with a weapon. What? Okay, so the weapon can be anything. Oh, right? sorry, really? My okay, not really. <laughs> this is part of the game yeah, law, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, so you yeah, can sorry, touch someone. I my brain. You can say touch someone off. with the end of an umbrella and be like, "There was yeah, actually okay, a poison yeah. under that, and you're yeah, dead. Yeah. You've been killed by assassin." So what you get? But a is, stranger would be poking you with an yeah. umbrella. Oh, oh. So someone has got to find out who you are, where oh, your no. lectures are, where you're going to wow, be, and kill fuck. you with a weapon. That's fucked. It's not. It's great. Um, <laughs> and so. <laughs> I played it. Yeah. It's like a bit full on, actually a bit boring because it's basically going, you just got to sort of stalk someone and then touch them with an item. Uh, and then, you know, it's like Fortnite. It's the original Fortnite, uh, right? Yeah. Everyone has got one other target and you just get their name. I don't know. So you get a name and a picture, maybe something else, maybe like what they study. So you've got like a clue about how to find them. Because the only idea is we're all together as part of this institution. Yeah. So we're approximately going to be in the same like, mile or two radius away from each other at certain yeah. points and then whenever you get a kill you submit that which essentially means just wandering around so you'll hear you'll feel like a tiny bit of pressure someone's touching you with like a ruler and they'll be like this ruler is actually a scythe yeah you're dead. like oh i'm dead i'm out of assassin yeah, it's not actually a lot of fun but it's an interesting idea yeah the constant threat of death yeah so i was thinking that stabby stabby might be like that where like at any point you might be stabby stabby no no there's much more there's much more lore and thinking, mechanics thinking going on there. Now, the best game what for, of the three that mm. I engaged in, that I've not encountered anyone else engaged in, is Screwdriver Bandits. Okay. So in Screwdriver Bandits, you get a Phillips head screwdriver mm-hmm. at the start of the school day, and your job is to get as many screws as you can acquire mm-hmm. from anywhere in the school. It has to be within the school premises, and the person with the most screws at the end of the day wins what yeah so you're in lesson yeah you just take a screw out of the table just really slowly so if you get caught looking at what the fuck you've got a screwdriver yeah which is probably going to be counted by some dickhead teacher as like a weapon i think a screwdriver depending on the school so, depending on what the nature of the school well, is my school like in my school screwdriver would be that's only going to be used to kill yeah yeah same yeah yeah, yeah. so it's that's an element of the risk is you mm-hmm. really really can't get caught but also you are slowly dismantling everything. I like it. Anything that has a Phillips head screw, yeah. which is loads of everything. Stuff. Yeah. Um, we did get to a point where you, you wouldn't be able to get a lot. You know, you'd match some eight would be an impressive number of screws, right? Yeah. Um, eight is almost the entire like table taken apart or. At some point we had like a box of screws, yeah. like shit loads, like, I'm was there ever a point where like, like everything screws. like you would ha- you would be involved in something in the school and you'd be like this table's gonna give or these are, 
these things that I need to use are fucked because oh, of this game. Oh, it's funny you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, basically, it got to the point where um, a display board just fell off the wall. Right. And there was like an assembly like... A, a display board because <laughs> because the, it could only be the screws are missing but yeah. it's just nothing that teachers are anticipating is people slowly and methodically <laughs> removing you know they're used to like oh someone smashed the math room when someone's tried to burn the canteen yeah they're not ready for systematic yeah. removal of phillips head screws because a lot of misbehavior is like displays. this instantaneous burst of rage yeah not exactly. a slow, methodical. Yeah, because yeah. this is this is being perpetrated by youths of my ilk. So the yeah. fearful, uh, you know, uh, beta males, yeah. soy boys, right? So we we can't be flagrant in our misbehaviour. Yeah. So it's stealthy, it's it's planned, but it's nonetheless competitive. I, I really, I, I still feel bad about this. A teacher I really, really liked. She taught the Judaism part of RE. Mm-hmm. She's in a classroom and a, a, a larger lady, no judgment. She went to sit on a table. Oh, no. Uh, while explaining something to us. And, and the table collapsed. Though this was months after we'd stopped playing. But even so, who's gone around the whole school and put all the... Yeah, yeah. nothing. There's a lot of stuff that has not been repaired. Yeah. No, unless it's collapsed, you don't know that actually... Yeah only two of the screws remain in this table it the whole fucking table just collapsed underneath her and she just sat like gently on this table oh, it just boy. fucking went but but it was horrific because obviously in the in the, in, in, in a moment we're like oh my god you know we, we help her up or whatever and i remember looking at my mate emily and going like this is the consequence of screwdriver banditry mm-hmm. like we knew you know nothing it was an unspoken we helped this teacher we loved up and we were like shit she probably thinks oh my god like like how embarrassing is you know just You've you've just, just sat on a table and it's collapsed yeah. underneath your weight. And you're, that, that's what's happened in your mind. Yeah. It's not, you're not thinking. Well, why oh, would earth, what do uh, you go? Yes, exactly. Part of this endemic screw yeah, crisis. Exactly. But, then I, but then we couldn't be, we, you know, it should have been. This is why I'm obviously still riddled with guilt. We couldn't be like, oh, actually, miss, don't worry. But that's, that is our fault. Sorry, we've, we've, we've been removed. Oh, you'd never do that as a teenager. Yeah. Like own up to yeah. anything yeah, ever. Exactly. You're never going to, you're never going to be like, oh, I've actually, yeah, yeah I've got the screws. If you look, I don't think now, you have the like, capacity to be like i will be the bigger person here and i'll own up to it i just don't even think you can as a teenage boy you don't even the emotional intelligence and the wherewithal or the bravery yeah it's not even like fear of snitching like if oh, if i say it then like emma's gonna be pissed off at me it's, yeah. it's just basic i am i don't even know how to do this human being. i haven't developed that yet. i don't even have the tools to make this right yeah i yeah. i never conceived of the concept of a consequence to my actions yeah which i was just doing for stupid like tr- entertainment reasons mm. And then I am now faced with them. Oh shit, that's horrible. Better just not say anything and feel horrible about this. Yeah. Uh, fucking 15 years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, screwdriver bandits. But screw, I, screwdriver bandits, I'm not advocating screwdriver banditry. No, I don't think anyone should do it. Money. I find it very funny. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Um, so shout out if you've. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shout I'm not, I'm not, Right in the comments. I, I, we <laughs> definitely didn't screwdriver any, bandit. I, I'm trying to think. It might be an Emling. Uh, but if you if you played Screwdriver Bandits, if you are a Screwdriver Bandito, shout out hashtag. Nice. Uh, Speaking of things you can do, is like you don't want to rise above the parapet and actually get in trouble. I remember in college, so I spent loads. There wasn't much to like do. There wasn't a lot of outdoor area to our college, so it was just kind of like a hanging out zone and then a PC suite. So I was normally like hanging out somewhere on the internet in this PC suite and it overlooked like this big bulletin board, which yeah. was like the main entrance into and out of college. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had this idea of like nothing like made bulletins look official. They were just printed off of like normal paper. They had an aerial font. Mm. So I remember thinking, or someone like put me up to this or started saying, we could just print anything up there and it would look as official as anything else. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, could yeah, just yeah, put yeah, anything yeah, up on the yeah. board. But I thought if I do get in trouble for this, I should I shouldn't put something actively disruptive. It should just be like a joke, an obvious joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panda for sale or something. Yeah, so I kept saying I did um big font warning monster <laughs> in room twenty three. 
right? <laughs> what was room 23? It's on the history department yeah. classes, yeah. yeah scans. Um, <laughs> and so I put that up there and it stayed up for like a few days, best part of a week. And also like we had like a very early, very shitty like intranet thing. And there were a few people like posting up on that little, the comment section being like, has anyone heard about this monster in Room 23? What, what does that mean? What is that? It's obviously not a monster. What is, what's going on? And then by the end of that week, that, that sign's gone. <laughs> and by the end of that week, that had gone. And so I thought I'd put up another one. Warning, student gravely injured in monster attack. Do not enter Room 23. And I thought, let's escalate it. Like, let's go one further. I can't remember. There were other riffs on it, I think. But at some point, someone told me that the student council, which I didn't even know we had a student council. It's like this toothless, slightly like bureaucratic body made up of students. That I, Did we vote on them? I don't remember there being... I don't know what the student council is, but I was told that they were like <laughs> looking for who's making this sign because they were furious. Because oh the bulletin God. board was mostly only used for them. It's one of the few powers they have. And so I was told that someone, I won't say their name, but someone was gunning for me, thinking it was me, but didn't have any evidence. So I don't know how many iterations into the sign thing we were, but um, I put the next one up is um, warning, such and such has been, I can't remember the wording I use, but basically has been killed by a monster. Uh, memorial Shit. to be held in room 23. Warning, do not enter room 24. <laughs> <laughs> And part of me was like, that's a bit too far, because I'm saying, I'm saying a member of the student body was killed. But I was thinking, by a monster. Yeah, They'd be killed yeah, by, yeah, a yeah, by a monster. But then that one, clearly, like, someone who's already angry about it being, you're spreading rumours that I've died mm. to the college. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, they got rid of it. They tore down that sign. Yeah. They did what they should have done in the first place, which is that student body um, signs were laminated and had, like, a proper header. So okay. that you know they're official. Yeah. But the first one they used was to put up a massive display to say that there are no monsters in the college. <laughs> that was official. <laughs> and no one was allowed to take it down because that was an official message as part of the new bulletin board to let you know that this college is monster free. <laughs> oh in 2015, I was getting a train back home from work when I spotted someone I recognised. I knew them vaguely from comedy, but I hadn't seen them in years. And they explained that their day job used to be working in the production line for Marks and Spencer's sandwiches. And the act of putting a single ingredient on a slice of bread crawling past on a conveyor belt for eight-hour shifts had destroyed his mental health. He tried moving to the jam machine, but it was no good. He was losing his marbles, had to crash out, move back home with his parents, and begin life as an independent adult anew. He was wearing a suit, returning from a job interview, but he didn't seem particularly hopeful. I live in the north of England and this story is incredibly normal to me. The only one thing that set this one apart was the tantalising and mysterious jam machine. Turns out it's like a high-pressure, super-hot jam tank they use for squirting into the donuts. It sounds amazing and I think about it a lot. Growing up, leaving education, entering the world of work during a recession, mental health breakdowns were the new gap years. And everyone slowly realised at their own pace their stories weren't unique. They were the stories of a whole generation. Marx's theory of alienation revolves around the reduction of the worker into a tool for mechanised labour. Before the Industrial Revolution, workers would usually own their own tools and use them to create an entire product, like a chair or a, a fidget spinner from scratch. Under post-industrial capitalism, however, your employer owns everything. The tools, the machinery, the office space, the computers, the chair you sit on. And the role you are given is just a small, repeatable task within the larger whole. Bang this nail, put the lettuce on the bread, phone these numbers and read this script, put the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. This, Marx says, alienates you from many things. It alienates you from the product of your labour. Not only do you not own what you made, but you don't even feel that involved. All you did was just test the Furby's eyelids. You don't really feel responsible for making the Furby as a whole. You're alienated from your colleagues. So I do the eyelids, Gary does the mouth, Clarissa does the ears, but we're working separately in our own booths with no real reason to communicate with one another. But more importantly, you're alienated from your own self-determination. 
You do not feel in control of your destiny because you're forced, no matter what, to scrabble around for someone to sell your labour to, just so that you can eat, clothe yourself, house your family. You're forced to relinquish your ability to be the master of your own destiny, the vast and unconquerable ruler of one's own to-do list. Instead, you get a boss and they determine your income, where you'll spend your life, who you'll spend most of your waking hours with, how exhausted you'll be during however much spare time it gives you to spend with friends and family. Not only does that suck, big time but it has a catastrophic effect on the character of the people who were forced into those environments imagine spending 10 years working in isolation hammering away at a bit of metal compared to 10 years making beautiful sand art with your nephew in the streets of wolverhampton now i'm certain both of those individuals will have problems but my point is that those problems will at the very least be different and anyway we don't need to speculate on the effects that industrial labor conditions have on the human psyche because thanks to neoliberalism, that feeling of alienation can be shared by all of us. The sociologist Melvin Seaman defines alienation in the following terms. Number one, powerlessness. Powerlessness is the feeling of wanting to do something. Ah, but you can't, you can't do it. I want to go to Skeggy, but I don't have enough holiday days left. I want to buy my son a big cactus. Well, I can't afford one. Dutch socio-cybernetics researcher Felix Geyer takes one step further and says that in the modern world, a new form of powerlessness emerges where we're presented with so many choices and those choices are sometimes so complex that we don't feel able to make a decision. And if that keeps happening, it just leads to apathy and further alienation. Number two, meaninglessness. Do you have enough information to make predictions about what's gonna happen in your life? Does your boss let you in on upcoming important decisions or do they just pop in the back room with the door shut and you'll find out about it with minimal notice? Are you consulted by your landlord about potential changes to your property or your status as a tenant? These are rhetorical questions. Please stop responding to the podcast. Meaninglessness comes into play when you don't think you've got enough information or more recently because contradictory information is being shouted at you from a thousand platforms at once until it is ringing in your ears. Number three, normlessness. Society is built around certain values and certain acceptable behaviours, and you can become estranged from those. You no longer trust the government, your boss, or the local authority because they've demonstrably lied about something important. Have you ever been put in a position at work where you've had to implement an unwritten rule which is technically illegal or extremely unreasonable in order to keep your job? Ever felt that if you were truly honest on your CV, you'd never get gainful employment, and instead you've got to come out with bullshit like having a passion for admin, well then you done got yourself some normlessness. Number four, relationships. Uh, if you haven't got these, you're alienated. Done, that's obvious. I don't need to explain this one. Let's continue. Number five, social isolation. That feeling of being segregated from one's wider community. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know the people in your neighborhood? Do you feel that like you can talk to people generally about stuff that's important to you? Do you say thank you to the bus driver? Where do you go where you can be around people and feel wanted? And if you don't have anywhere like that, then oh boy, same. I'd just like to say I'd quite like some credit for comedically not going for the low-hanging fruit when I was comparing the research of Dr. Seaman and Dr. Geyer. The dominant ideological force that runs Western free market capitalism is neoliberalism. And the dominant idea underpinning neoliberalism is that everything must become a commodified part of the market. And the market wants us to be isolated. In 2018, in response to a lot of international pressure to stop influencing elections, Facebook announced they'd be reconfiguring their platform to ensure people saw more content from their friends and family rather than businesses and brands. Facebook lost $27 billion overnight due to stock market depreciation in response to that change. If I go and hang out with my friends in the park and kick a stick at a tree or perch tentatively on an ancient log, I'm not making any money, I'm not witnessing any advertisements, I'm not about to buy anything. That's why there's no let's go down to the park autoplay YouTube ads. Hey, have you ever wanted to perch tentatively on an ancient log? Capitalism wants to keep us within its domain in shopping centers, high streets, social media platforms. It places us there so it can ply us with ads and it uses its domination over methods for socialization to lure us into those environments. Cinemas are hidden deep within shopping centers. 
we communicate entirely over social media operated messaging software while community centers and libraries are being shut down and branded uncool totally lame being able to sit quietly and not buy something isolation is good for capitalism it drives the consumption of basically anything that can make you feel better binging on netflix binging on food binging on alcohol binging on drugs all have seen massive explosions since the cutthroat reshaping of british society following the 2008 recession neoliberalism places the responsibility for everything at the hands of the individual because it resists shrugs or suppresses systemic diagnoses for society's ills you poor eh, work harder you're sad it's your responsibility to take up a new outlook on life. Have a terminal illness caused by the black smoke you inhale at the Duplo factory? Have you tried taking up yoga? As a result, when you want to receive treatment for your rotting, cracked up brain, doctors aren't allowed to say, oh, well, your boss sounds like a bit of a prick. They're making you work for too long. Being in full-time employment while still needing to be on benefits is fucked. And since they aren't allowed to say those things, but they have to fulfill their duty of care, they will affect the one thing they have access to. You. Through pills to change your serotonin reuptake, or through the favoured treatment of the NHS, cognitive behavioural therapy. CBT is about changing your thought patterns in response to your environment. It is not about changing your environment. Doctor, doctor, please help. I'm trapped inside the hell panel from Hieronymus Bosch's The Garden of Earthly Delights. Well, perhaps you could learn to react differently to the insectoid umpire, eating people whole and shitting them into a vomit-filled divot. Or perhaps on changing how you can view the frog knight bludgeoning a naked crowd with a backgammon board. If that fails, I can start you off on 100 milligrams of fluoxetine. I'm sorry, I'm dead now. A trumpet goblin pushed me in a fire. That sounds whoa, 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 wild to me, because my immediate reaction would be, what the hell are you doing inside that painting? We've got to get you out of that painting into our own more visually bland nightmare world. Hashtag self-care. And actually, hashtag self-care is, again, putting the responsibility on you, the individual. You go out and you've got a bizarre employer, a bad job, you work weird hours, you're putting unsafe work conditions. Well, the responsibility for getting yourself back up to scratch so you can go back to work, that's your responsibility. Around all your deadlines and your other plans and the work you have to take home with you, you need to put some time aside for a relaxing aromatherapy meditation session. Self-harm is the biggest killer of 20 to 34-year-olds. On top of that, a quarter of a million children are receiving mental health care in England. Neoliberalism isn't just making people sad. We're losing a generation of people to a completely untreated mental health crisis. Depression and self-harm and mental illness are now so ubiquitous amongst a certain generation that brands are posting depression tweets in order to be relatable and boost engagement. We live in a world where Sunny Delight posted, I can't do this anymore for 150,000 retweets. I've personally suffered awfully from depression and anxiety. And even though all my close friends are mentally ill, it's completely normal to expect anyone in my age bracket to be suffering from something in secret. It is still standard and normal to feel immense shame and a need to suppress or hide that sudden urge to cry silently deeper in the woods when you're just trying to chill out on a Friday evening perched on the edge of an ancient log. The other day I showed Jack um, a YouTube channel called Kay's Cooking. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, love it. And uh, scared of it. Jack responded very vocally. <laughs> I think he started slamming the chair and screaming. <laughs> she was in danger. She was in danger in herself. Yeah. There was a moment when she was slicing potatoes. Fuck knows. The camera was angled down on it. Yeah. It was like POV. Pov. Pov of her slicing the tatties. Her knife technique was legitimately terrifying. Oh, yeah. Every single slice... Almost goes right into her finger. Almost. Doesn't just go into a finger. If she was to maintain the pressure she was doing it, 
she'd be severing a thumb or a finger mm-hmm. every t- it's horrifying i've seen i've extended- seen worse i've seen her do something else where she um chops an onion so she's chopped an oh, onion into an onion. the small rinds right. and then she's picking those rinds up and in order to make them smaller she's cutting directly into the palm of her hand oh, to chop them up with off. a ceramic knife i can't watch it's horrifying it's like sore <laughs> Let me explain what the channel is. I know is. she survives because she's uploaded the video, right? I know in the back of my head mm. that there's not going to be a fountain of blood all over these root vegetables. Yeah. Because she's uploaded the vid and she's not... And she know, t- tests at the end yeah, and she says, gonna, thanks, like, and subscribe. Yeah, she's going to feed it to her son and, it, and she's going to put it, she's going to upload it, right? Mm-hmm. So I know she's fine. But the, my suspension of disbelief and immersion in the content this master artist is putting out is such that I'm completely absorbed in it and I can't, it's, it's You believe horrible. it in the moment. I believe it, it in the like moment. It's like when a movie gives you the protagonist might die, but you know they're not going to die. Yeah. The movie's called Superman. <laughs> He's not going to die. But yeah, in the moment you're like, this is a real threat. This yeah. gets me viscerally. Heart pounding. So the channel is called Kay's Cooking and it's a woman from somewhere in South Yorkshire who has been put up to doing a YouTube cooking show by her son, Lee. She hasn't got the first clue about cooking but also like she's clearly like getting on she's like a she's <laughs> you know, she's not old per se but she's getting on <laughs> you're not allowed to say that getting you on you know you can say getting on it's just, just so it was a bit of a side swipe it came out of nowhere getting on you always getting on catty i was not yeah. trying to no 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 it's not catty no she's she's not She's in the bracket before you just say someone's old and it doesn't feel like it's middle, contentious. Middle-aged. But she's older than middle-aged. She's, she's, she's in, in the, the middle of middle-aged. She's age. in the interstice. She's an in-betweener. Between middle-aged. But also I think maybe her lifestyle's made her look slightly older than she is. Like, like she's... Because we know she can't feed herself yeah. well. Like, no. So she's... No, we know. Yeah. She could be actually... Her age boundary could be... Is a Could range. It's, it's a two-decade range, isn't mm. it? It's it's, it's extreme. Forty-five to. Are you saying that's the lower bound? Yeah. Right. Oh, where, where do you think the lower bound? Is? I think the lower bound could be just given that she eats raw meat all the time. Who knows what that does to your body? Oh, to clarify, she doesn't eat raw meat as in like she's just opening a packet of. Uh, she eats meat. She believes she, that she is cooked. She yeah. She is. She's yeah basic year nine anyway forgetting the unknowableness of how long she's been on this earth yeah um she's like a small working class mum single mum she's got her son like her adult son lee yeah and lee himself i was aware of lee because i got really interested in finding out how many vloggers there were in sheffield i love vloggers i think Mm -hmm. vloggers are the unknowability of another human being is sometimes quite sad and watching a random vlogger who just lets you know everything about their life is the closest you can get to really seeing the world through someone else's eyes. It's not the Truman Show where they're filmed by a third person and you just see how someone appears to the public. Mm. This is someone who just doesn't have the guardedness and just will film their life and you just see what another person's life is like. It adds something even better than the Truman Show because the person, the vlogger, the vlumberjack, is you see their subjectivity of like what what yeah. i want to show of myself and then so it's even that, more it's like it's even more it's yeah. another layer because if you just had a gopro on someone's head all day and watch that you wouldn't get anything but if it's the fact that, that they're going choose, yeah yes it's the fact that they think they're hosting a little tv show and they go hi yeah this is what i'm doing you learn more than if you had a gopro on their head because a gopro on their head you just see someone walking around not talking it would be nothing you'd learn nothing yeah um and so i watched big man lee uh, and he got a vlog going. It was, wasn't very interesting. Like, it was interminable to watch. Yeah. But then he said to his mum, maybe you should do a cooking channel. So he just, he, you know how everyone wants to be vlogger. Like, yeah. like apparently um, in the West, they did a survey, like loads of teenagers. The main thing they want to be is a professional vlogger. But in China, where they don't have YouTube, it's still astronaut. Yeah. So it, 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 it is astronaut and never went away from being astronaut. But everywhere that got YouTube, it's vlogger. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, maybe a vlogger could, you know, Logan Paul could go to space. Yeah, He's see how we can enough, offend the aliens. Probably got enough money. Yeah, yeah. Find an alien to commit suicide. Culturally insensitive <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> yeah. And so Kay, his mum, started doing this cooking channel and instantly went viral. Yeah. 
and like got to the point she's been on terrestrial TV. Apparently, like um, Bob Mortimer watches her all the time. Like, there's like it's like it's made itself into the uh, cultural cachet of people who work in media and entertainment who've passed this channel around and gone, look at this. It is amazing. Oh, it's fa- oh, and it's uh, incredible. The main factors are is that Kay is utterly utterly incompetent at cooking she doesn't know the first thing she can't even read or like i think maybe she must have some problem reading the recipe and instructions and then just following them mm. which is fine there's loads of reasons why people might have problems with yeah, that processing issues um but her earnestness and her give it a go attitude yeah. and her lack of realization of how bad or how like dangerous (laughs) her food is and at the end going may not have turned out okay but give it a like give it a subscribe it's the combination of very very poor knife technique yeah shown in long clear detail where you know where you can see the danger and and the bad cooking of meat mistakes i've seen today include making a pasta bake that includes no pasta um trying to make raw chicken with fried bacon together oh, yeah, with mayonnaise seen, yeah. putting the mayonnaise in it and then just sticking that in the oven she's made egg fried rice without pre-boiling the rice so the rice is just raw uncooked um she made avocado on toast but got well, hard rice yeah fuck egg fried rice but she starts frying the onions then she just pours in rice unboiled fuck and then just cracks an egg in there and then just fries the shit out of it, waiting for it to oh, get soft. Oh, shit. Did Lee yeah. eat it? No, that one they didn't eat in the end. Right. Then one of the latest ones she's done, like last week, um, she was asked to make avocado on toast. Right. And so you're thinking, how could this go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> she yeah, she buys an know? old machine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, bless <laughs> fuck. And towards, even towards the very end, she eats it and she goes, I don't know why so many young people like this. It's just, oh, it doesn't taste good. It's so not nice. How did she, so she obviously she just makes fucking toast. And then what did she do to the aubergine? Did she try and spread aubergine? Well, she was told to mash it, but she's like this, like with a fork, mash it with a fork. She's like, it but doesn't mash. It doesn't really mash. Strong, yeah. yeah. So she, um, she basically cut it into like these fibrous strips and then stuck it on the grill for a bit to make it a little bit soft. And then it was sort of mashable. Yeah. Um, apparently it tastes rank because it wasn't Obviously, cooked. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Raw aubergine. And she's fascinating. I, I, I think I love peering into the life of a vlogger. Mm. And they do tell you how, like, you know, everyone's supposed to be like in a bubble. Mm. Completely understandable. I hang out with people that, are intelligible to me mm. who share some of my same values so that I'm not constantly having to explain basic things to other people and or coming into conflict in my spare time. Yeah. Why would I want that? But vloggers let you see like how all kinds of the other half live. Yeah. Every other half you could think of. Yeah. How are other people living? And there are some people who are like so detached from things. I think that's the thing that gets me. Like you can see vloggers and they live this life of like real privilege that's nauseating. I don't enjoy that. Yeah, but the then there are vloggers. everyone's got like phones now, so you just get a lot of like vloggers who are just like working class people who are like, I want to be a vlogger. Mm. I don't really have much time to do this, but I'll do it mm. in the evenings and on the weekends. And you sort of watch through their life, and they just feel detached, like they're not taking part. Or are in, they just not taking part in what you take part in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm talking entirely so from what, yeah, my subjective yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. My idea of what it is to take part in society is just not being fulfilled here. They they're not sure what's going on like in their town or city, let alone the country or the world. There's a real sort of detachment there, which really shows how or, much of a struggle it is to like, or they're just not talking people. about it on the vlog. They're not like, Oh, mm. I don't want to. In a few, the few rare cases I've yeah. seen people say, I just don't know, or I just didn't vote or something. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like, Oh, bloody lump and proles or anything. No, no. It's just curious how, like I always kind of thought something of this will end up in, people's lives Mm. to like a small degree and i'm not talking about detachment from politics it's just sort of they feel so isolated from me and other people i know i just and they like live so close do you know what i mean like some of these people are in the same city as me i'll I'll cross them in the street oh it's just this real world's apart alienation isn't it Mm. atomized because i'm 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 a fucking weirdo i'm alienated from me like i just like fucking uh, jrpgs i'm not watching 
Britain's Got Talent or Be I've never watched Bake Off. But if you watch and I'm Bake Off... And I'm not being like, oh my God, guys, I've never watched Bake I don't own a TV. But even if you did watch Bake Off, it wouldn't actually automatically bring you closer to other people. No, but it brings... Like, but it does mean, yeah, My if point you're, is that you know, everyone... There's so much different media... Well, even if you just say media, there's so many different things to choose to consume mm. that the atomization happens. Like it would be really, really hard for the Beatles to happen to the extent yeah. that they did or Star Wars. Like, yeah, okay. Like Endgame, Avengers Endgame so is the biggest selling movie of all time. Mm. But Star Wars was in the cinemas for a year and a half yeah. with like people still queuing outside uh, in, you know, 77, 78. And then, you know, on like tickets, Visit, like each individual ticket sale yeah. it is uh, uncontested since 1977 and that kind of mega all-consuming pop culture in shared consumption well even stuff like sitcoms like there's definitely been better sitcoms made in the last 10 15 years than like 40 towers whatever the fuck sure sure well, sure I, I but 40, 40 towers, towers is a is classic really because good. 40 towers is really good. by percentage of the population who knew and liked it yeah you just can't top that no yeah it, um and you had it, like, people were still, you know, what checking out Freeview or whatever mm. uh, until, uh, you know, like The Office. The Office could be huge. And obviously, like, there is there are these big phenomena things like Fleabag, but I bet... It's just not the same. You it's can, not to the you're, same You're comparing scale. this to Star Wars and the Beatles, and it's just nothing like it, that. Yeah, it's not yeah. to the same massive scale because people are more atomized and people have got... You know, it's kind of, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, I don't know. But people have a lot more choice in terms of what they consume and how they consume it. And then that has a, contribute, a contribution to atomizing. So not, mm. not just entertainment, we could be talking about news or anything. Uh, you know, like there's that thing of the average, I think Channel 4 News has like the youngest demographic of like TV news watcher. Mm -hmm. And that, the, I think the median age of a Channel 4 news watch is still like 55. Yeah. So you, you, you're, um, the information you're being given mm. about things is just totally different to someone who's only consuming news through like irony poisoned communist Twitter. Yeah. Well, that's that thing. Like capitalism would like everyone to just be in their own privately rented in order to sell you things, you need to be able to make as many choices as you want. Yeah. If you just have to do things to get along with the grain. That doesn't suit capitalism. It wants to sell you your own colour of whatever this is. Mm. We can do this in a new shiny gold thing, mm. and then you can separate yourself that way. Because co like communities ha have been degraded, uh, so it, people are super atomized. So that's how you get people that seem so so separate, almost alien to mm. you, and as you would seem alien to them if they were to watch. You know, if uh, if she was to watch the Sean Morley vlog, yeah, sure. she would be like, what, what what's this guy on about? This? What's yeah, he talking what's, about? What's ASMR Mr. Yeah. Bean? I think it also that phenomenon of like going home at Christmas and not knowing how to talk to your uncle. Yeah. Like that feels, I'm sure that's always been the case. Like, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, some, well, I think there's like that trope, like the American, like someone's gone off to New York to be a slicker in yeah. whatever industry they're doing and they come back and they're talking to their uncle about something. It's like, how do I talk to you? Yeah. What, what do we talk about? And I definitely feel that going home and seeing family. I just, it's social cohesion is breaking down, not just between me and a bloody stranger on the street. It's yeah. me within my own family. Yeah. Like, how do I communicate with these people? So uh, I've been thinking about the kind of uh, that individualization, atomization mm. and how that's happened and got, and got, worse over the last like you know since neoliberal since, since thatcher mm. right so universities and getting a degree is still seen in this like as this like bougie thing but universities often have the community aspect that's been lost in a lot of other areas of mm. society yeah. right so where in like a mining town the the work you would do and then uh, uh maybe there's a brass band maybe there's a working men's club where you go watch comedy or like that do dancing or whatever yeah. um uh there's there's union meetings every week there's there's an element of cohesion yeah that's why in in weimar germany when the nazis rose to power almost they they were voted for by almost every demographic from the poorest person to the richest person okay mm -hmm. obviously predominantly the middle class but they they cross social boundaries however the two least likely like the types of people to vote nazi were people who had solid communities that had this that were the, that were the least alienated yeah. which was catholics 
and yeah. socialists. And both of those things, they would have, you know, the Catholic, the Catholicism's got the Sunday school, et cetera, et cetera. He's got the church every week. The socialists have got the things I, I described earlier. Yeah. And that gives them this cohesion of, you know, uh, we are us, they are them, which has its own yeah. problematic elements. But they were really, really resistant to Nazism when the economic shock came. So they mm. were as affected, the Catholics and the socialists were as affected by everyone else, by the the Wall Street crash and the chaos, the economic chaos. But they had community. the support of a community. Exactly. Yeah. But those things have been systematically undermined uh, by governments since the 1980s. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, that's a lot of the source of, uh, a lot of alt-right shit is people uh, going like, oh, our, com our communities have been undermined and there's like a grain of alt-right talking points there's like something there's the grit of something legitimate there somewhere i'm not saying like oh mass migration is destroyed i'm not saying no that. i mean i don't want to go all blue labor or anything no. but if, if you if you take outside the fact that they're diagnosing that problem as migration yeah. the idea that their communities have been fucked yeah you, that's correct yeah. precisely so but weirdly universities which previously been seen as like this middle class thing mm -hmm. they they retain that community element yeah from freshers to to you know you there's this oh, I met all kinds of people that i've now i've stayed in touch with but loads of people i just would not have met yeah absolutely you wouldn't have met that type of person you wouldn't have met that person right yeah. uh and then you've got all the clubs and etc mm -hmm. within the the uni and then actually you've got things like uh you, you, a lot of unis have their own like gp services yeah. or physios or whatever the fuck um, that you know, as in the, the NHS was based on Welsh trade unionists creating a system of healthcare that they shared together mm. as well, and it has these, uh, it has community. It's it's undermining alienation. Of course, as it, in a university, you are uh, increasingly seen as a customer who yeah. is trying to increase your employability, and obviously, a lot of universities are are you know investigating how to make better bombs or whatever and you get, you'll get better phd funding than that to do something about feminism god sure knows. but it can still serve a good social function yeah but yeah. it's it honestly it has these social functions that have been hugely undermined everywhere else so i think a lot of people experience a uh like the brakes slamming on socially mm. after they graduate absolutely because they go to a workplace or whatever and that is just not there, especially you know like most most workplaces aren't unionized. Mm. Where there are unions, they don't perform that social function they did. Often unions sell themselves now as like almost insurance policies for like, yeah. oh, if someone uh, crashes into you in the uh, staff car yeah, park, yeah. Uh, this is you know you should get you should get this and you'll get a leaflet. There's a social breakdown, and it's the juxtaposition be between that. I think that's when it, not necessarily it's weird because not necessarily uni radicalize pe radicalizes people as much as early and mid 20s yeah. of going now contrasting the rest of society yeah. with that experience the double whammy of one i'm now in the, the fucked economy mm. two i've gone from this really cohesive obviously you know you still have mates and you can make friends outside it but i'm saying structurally well, no hang on because structurally though a lot your capacity to make mates yeah you, you can do it but firstly where do you go and also there's the side thing of like, if you want to have a social, if you want to have an active social life in the UK, you have to become an alcoholic. There is no <laughs> way, there's no way around it. Yeah. As someone- how, Go out and be an alcoholic. Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that's the only way to be an alcoholic. There's <laughs> well, lots of ways to be an alcoholic. But like, as, as someone who has curtailed their drinking to almost nothing over the last few years, yeah. I'm finding my social options slimming oh, to, yeah. to nil. Yeah, yeah. But also with all the pub closures, mm. like, put aside to one side that the massive private industry and all the social problems that are caused by insane alcohol consumption in this society. Even on top of that, with the pub closures, that's meaning actually what was a community centre, a bad one, not yeah. a great place. Like working men's clubs are obviously, they're going away. But also normal pubs, which right. are, there are those old pubs at the end of the street where everyone knows each other. Right. It's not the best place to start a community. No. But it is better than nothing, which <laughs> yeah. is the alternative when it shuts down. Yeah. The church is a good one. Obviously, that the one thing that the atheist movement did, I mean, what it did do, mm. loads of like puerile YouTube videos, <laughs> what it didn't do is actually replace the social functions of the church. No. If you think the church is a bad idea, then create an alternative to it. Yeah. And there is like the Sunday assembly, but something about that just isn't for me. Yeah. Are you aware of this? No, what's the Sunday assembly? Oh, the assembly? Sunday assembly is there actually that. It's it precisely that. Sunday, atheist Sunday school. It is... Um, 
Atheist club. If I wanted to be oh, as sounds fucking lame. If I wanted to be as cruel as possible, bring your fedora. Imagine a lot of people singing about how they love Brian Cox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I it's don't not want to fully that. that, but it is like it is a little bit of like let's learn about science and let's sing songs together. But we'll sing ABBA, and yeah. it's really not my vibe. Are the hymns about like Darwin? I think you just sing pop songs. I think okay. you sing Queen and Abba and essentially, yes. <laughs> There's something about like building a community and doing all that good work that just wasn't laden in the culture that we like consumed. There was something about anyone who's like kindly and wants to do all that. I was told that person is like, Ned Flanders or Walter the, the softy from the Beano yeah there's a cynicism towards it yeah whereas uh, actually like being like fucking I'm an anti-hero I'm Patrick Bateman I'm um, I'm Fred Durst yeah. those are your cool icons that don't have any values or care about anything but nevertheless seem to be happy and sorted uh-huh. there's never just the culture was like just new metal 90s culture kindness was so lame yeah and so it's very hard. Like alienation was also placed in to men, particularly uh-huh, uh-huh. because by being kind and compassionate to people, you're like, are you gay? Yeah. Are you a gay man? Fellas, yeah. is it gay to show an ounce of compassion? So you, you've got these guys that have grown up being like, they couldn't even form a basic friendship group. Like, yeah. you know, the in-betweeners, yeah, the way yeah. they treated each other and that, I'm like, that's my whole secondary school. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah it's you really want your, morning, yeah, you yeah. treat your friends as though you're, they're your enemies. Mm-hmm. So these are like people you actually wouldn't even want in your community. Like I've had to do loads of work to learn how to have an adult friendship. Yeah. And when I could, I'm like, fuck, this is like the cheat code to being an adult. <laughs> I am not atomized now. Yeah. I have friends who care about me. But you were never socialized to behave like that. I had to like manually fucking yeah. learn it. Like Kay looking like yeah. trying to learn a basic recipe. It's like <laughs> when Kay can't make avocado on toast, that was me as like a 25 year old being like, why am I depressed? Also, I've got no good friends. And those that I do are still in that in between a secondary school mindset of like, me being friends means I'm going to tease you, even if I can see it's making you cry. Yeah, because you were t- in order, you were given you weren't given the right tools. You were given an aubergine. Yeah, I was given the aubergine. Go now, make avocado on toast, and then we'll criticise you for it for tanking the economy. <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was made by Ella Jean, with additional music by Sean Morley. As ever, if you're enjoying the podcast, then please review us on iTunes or check out our social media. We're Mandatory Redistribution Party on Facebook and at Mando Party on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Goodbye. Thank you.